Hello and welcome to a new episode of Other Record Labels. I'm your host, Scott Orr, where we talk about the art and culture of running an independent record label. And today on the show is a record label called Stereo Fox. Now that name might be familiar to some of you because Stereo Fox started out as a curator slash blog many moons ago, I think over 10 years ago now. And I've personally familiar with Stereo Fox because when I have been looking to submit my singles to playlist curators or to bloggers, Stereo Fox have always come up on my radar. They have some really great playlists. I've pitched my music to them uh, through their website and also through uh, Submit Hub over the years. Um, and we talk about that. And so it's a, a real honor. And of course, now they're doing some label stuff where they're signing artists that they work with. Such a cool concept of going from blog, you know, website to curator to record label, and then still doing all of those things at once. A really great story. Today's episode is honestly, because of the experience uh, that my guest has, there is just so much uh, wise nuggets that you're going to uncover here, especially when it comes to utilizing Submit Hub. And we talk about the kind of the problematic nature of Submit Hub in some ways. And so stay tuned for that. We talk about how to submit to blogs and to curators to do and where to spend your money and what not to do. A lot of exciting uh, insights because not only is Stereo Fox a record label like us, but they're also a curator. So they sit on both sides of the fence, which I think will benefit us uh, all a, a lot. So please pay attention, get a notebook out for this episode. You're going to love it. You can check out Stereo Fox by going to stereofox.com. Also, be sure to grab any of our free resources and our articles at otherrecordlabels.com, targeted to you, independent record labels, who could use a little bit of help. So I've known about you guys for a long time, and um, but mostly as a curator uh, on, on Spotify. We'll get into like kind of everything that you're doing. Um, but I remember seeing you on Submit Hub, and I did look it up today to see how many times you declined me, and it was only twice, so that's not bad. <laughs> not bad. <laughs> it's okay. Um, that's I, a very I, good I, number. I, that's a very good number. I, I don't take any offense. But um, I, I remember, like, you know, I, and I still occasionally use um, Submit Hub when mm -hmm. the song is right, and, and there's a couple of playlists, uh, you know, people like you that I mm -hmm. want to get the song in front of. And I, I want to know what your, before we dive into Stereo Fox, I want to know what your perspective is of, of Submit Hub from the view of a curator. Um, and perhaps you're using it as a label as well. But I'm, I, I'm just kind of curious uh, from your perspective of it, because I think it, it is a good tool. I know it's problematic in certain ways, but I'm just mm -hmm. kind of cu yeah, curious. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's it's kind of interesting because I definitely can speak from the two sides of the fence, so to yeah. say. But obviously, we are a curator first. Um, so from the point of view of, cur of curator, honestly, and uh, this has been a huge discussion about uh, people are using SubmitHub just because they want to make a quick and easy buck. Right. The reality is that, first of all, it's not quick and it's not easy. <laughs> Most curators, it's mostly a hobby. Yeah, We started using this just because like five years ago when we started using SubmitHub, um, I couldn't keep up with my day job and basically answering, I, I'm not joking, at least 100 emails a day. It's wow. just humanly impossible. Wow. Um, and I think, I, I don't speak for the majority of the curators, but for me, it was uh, 
just an easy tool to organize my work first and foremost. Yeah. And then, of course, in the beginning was actually one of the first revenue streams we had. Wow. Um, and that, that honestly, so Midhub was uh, the essence of being able to to be here today and say Sterefox is actually a full company leg, uh, registered with full-time employees and it's standing on its own feet. But that initial kick, that two, three hours a week that you can get very, very little financial help in the beginning uh, was super, super useful. Yeah. And also I do discover a lot of good music. I'm perfectly aware that we decline, everybody declines. Our approval rate is 5%. So you can imagine That's 95 tracks out of 100 we will have to decline. That's but a, yeah. um, Jason and the team are doing a good job trying to make this place better for both curators and people who use it to sub music. I have also been, mm, let's say, not always happy when I submit something and get or, uh, something in return which I'm not very happy with. So I'm aware that there are situations where people wouldn't be uh, very happy about it, but at the end of the day, you are paying for somebody's time. Yeah, and uh, I really think it's um, my my main advice to everybody who is using it to send music is you you can either throw a lot of money and then don't be pissed off if you get rejected, or you spend some time and carefully research who you're gonna send to, and then of course you're gonna get better results. It's either or. Yes, but if you wanna go on Submit Hub and click fifty curators and send them the tracks, you shouldn't be upset that maybe forty. Six will decline you. Yeah, because there is some background background work behind it. I totally agree, especially yeah. If you're not doing your research, that's on you. Uh, and I think what I what I do like about it, from your perspective, and the fact that you're getting a hundred submissions a day before you were using SubmitHub, and a lot of those submissions, it's when you have when you attach this monetary number to it. First of all, it creates people to just pause for a second, make sure I'm submitting to someone relevant. Because I imagine in yeah. those hundred emails, half of them weren't relevant to the playlists that you had. They were genres uh, that you didn't serve. Seventy percent to eighty. Wow! Actually, wow, yeah. that weren't even there relevant. was a yeah yeah, and you know you end up in this. Is a, I guess a big topic, but you end up in some publicist lists for whatever reason without agreeing on being on that list yeah. and then they send you random stuff like EDM death metal yeah. uh, like stuff like that it's not about music but it's not what we feature so yeah. I, I actually I, I listen to metal music in my personal <laughs> yeah, yeah. life you know yeah. but it's just not what we feature so I can like a track but it's just not for us and if you send me an email you're wasting your time and you're wasting my time because I have to open it, read, click, yeah. listen, yeah. reply to you. And when you have a day job, which uh, which I have, um, especially five years ago, yeah. so nine to five, I'm on my day job and then I do this out of love for music. Um, it's not very nice just to listen to random tracks. I'd rather go on SoundCloud and find whatever I like. Well, so, uh, and I also, the other issue I don't have with the monetary aspect of it is that blogs never got paid before other than maybe ads, which the banner ads, which weren't really a, a great thing. And, no. and, and I feel like it took the amount of blogs that, and I'm talking small blogs, that would take my album and write a two-page review. I would get money because it would generate sales. The label would get money. Everybody's getting paid except for the blogger. So I have no problem, even if you are... I uh, so mm -hmm. to speak, getting rich, but like uh, to me, having it be a revenue source, I, I think it makes sense. 
yeah, uh, we're still there five years. And as I said, we, we also use it as a label. And I think even though we came with this huge experience of what's happening behind the scene as a curator, when I started submitting music as a label, I also made those mistakes. In the first few campaigns, I was like, okay, this is weird. If Is that how these people feel every time <laughs> they put this? And then after, like, I had to sit down and be like, hey, I go over the list. I was lucky enough because one, I've been doing this for 10 years, so I know a lot of the names, but I actually had to reopen their blogs and maybe listen to five tracks. And then the good yeah. thing of Submit Hub is that you can write notes. So now, uh, two years later, three years later, I know my campaign. I know how much I'm going to spend. Uh, I choose the people that I think they would like. And even from those people, some of them would still decline just because it's very, you yeah. know, like a personal opinion. Yeah. But at least the approval percentage is much higher than when I started. I, I totally agree yeah. with you. I I have a single, I'm, I'm probably going to be pitching soon and I'll probably only pitch it to four or five people that I know are out of the thousands that are on there. Yeah, we're, we're, I think we do anything between five and 15, depending on the genre, yeah, of yeah, course. Yeah, uh, that's great. I, I think the, the biggest flaw um, of the platform is that feedback conundrum, because if you don't prove that you're listening, that a curator is listening to the song, mm -hmm. then there, there is people who could figure out a way to scam artists. Uh, at the same time, being forced to provide feedback, especially on a track that's, especially when they provide, you know, feedback on the mix or something that is finished mm -hmm. and, and you can't change. Uh, that's just, I understand it's a conundrum. And I don't think they've been able to solve it in any way. Yeah. Uh, yeah. At the stage where the tracks are being sent, I guess that's a bit too late. Maybe for the future. Yeah, maybe. Um, yeah. But uh, what I like, I don't know when was the last time you used it. The, they have this new feature, which is basically you can specify what kind of feedback you want. Oh. Uh, which is nice because now um, this makes our life easier. So I'll give you an example. You can choose prove to me that you've listened, yeah. but be, let's say, gentle or be just easy about it. So then wow. I would try to make a comment on something that is clear in the track because obviously you have to show you've listened to. But in this case, you you don't have to go into okay, your the the snare should be this or the mix or the master stuff like that, because clearly the person just wants your yes or no. Yeah, that's, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, but but there are people who specify uh, giving feedback on arrangement, on lyrics, okay. on okay. energy of the track, and there is even I had this case. I don't do much submit hub. Uh, there is other people in the team. Yeah. Um, I focus more on the label. But I had this case, uh, somebody wrote, please help me uh, find the genre to describe this music, even if you say no. Oh, okay. So well, actually it was, was quite a no, was not a fit for us. But I actually did spend a few minutes even looking around Spotify and I even suggested a few editorials. That's nice. Uh, yeah. So yeah. No, that's great. Have changed. Yeah, yeah, okay. I didn't know that. I'll have to I'll have to look into that because that is really nice. Like I I actually just I got to a place where I requested feedback, but I wouldn't read it myself. So I made sure mm -hmm. that they had to to do it, but I didn't want to see it because it would just make me upset. So it's like I get a decline, that's okay, I get it. And when I was using it as a label to find artists, I had a very, very specific um type of artist in mind and and, mm -hmm. and even you know this year i might be looking for 
this type of artist to fill this hole in my roster. Uh, and next year I might be looking for someone else. And so my feedback was always like, this is great or it's a, a you know, a, a sound, but it's just not the very specific thing. Basically it's not you, it's me kind of, you know, yeah, what I mean? yeah. which, which, which to be honest, it, it is a very frequent scenario. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sometimes you do get great music and it's just not for you. We, we, it happens to us with the label. Like there are people we release with, I know I'm jumping topics. A bit, That's okay. That's okay. Sometimes one of the label artists would come to us and I've had the case that, Hey, listen, this track is just not for us, but maybe you can try this in this label. Um, just because if we can provide the nice. value That's and, nice. and push this, what's the point? Yeah. It's not good for the yeah. artist. It's not good for us. So, yeah. Okay. Tell me about Stereo Fox because like I mentioned, I, I kind of, you know, came to them through being the curation process and about people who had these great, uh, an audience of listeners of a certain mm -hmm. genre. So um, now I see things evolving into a label and more. So can you kind of give me a little bit of the backstory? Yeah. Uh, so we started Stereofox. I always, I say it's a brand and it's like a mindset. Uh, 10 years ago, a few friends of mine and I, um, we were living in the Netherlands at the time and it was more like a end of university project. We wanted to create our own brand. And also it's kind of this weird thing where you graduate university and you want to get an internship, but to get an internship, you need previous experience, which you clearly don't have. <laughs> so we, we challenged ourselves to, to make the Sterofox version one. And one of my best friends, he's the CTO of Sterofox. Uh, basically I challenged him and said, can you make something like SoundCloud where the music doesn't stop when you change the pages, right. but it also has articles. So it's like a mix between Pitchfork and SoundCloud. Because um, I was working at a radio station there, or, or helping, working yeah. is a stretch. Yeah, And um, I was already like a blog reader, but I, I hate it where you change the page and the iframe just stops the music. So yeah, you, you're yeah. stuck on this one page. So that's how we built Stereofox V1, and that's when the blog started, and that was 10 years ago, Wow! Uh, last month. Wow, congrats. And then, yeah, man, it's been, it's been a journey. Um, and then people started coming and going, and you know, when you're super young, it's very fun to write about music because you get uh, guest lists yeah. and free, free merch, and that was it for everybody, including yeah. us. But a few years later, we scattered around the world. I went to, to Germany. Some people went to stayed in the Netherlands, etc. And we saw that the people come and go and the less and less people come. And we had this problem that we all had a day job because you have to pay the bills. But the, pro the project kept going and we didn't want to stop it. So we kind of had this, um, the core team or the founders, we made this business plan where with every X amount of dollars we generate, we're going to hire part-time employees. Okay. And uh, that's, honestly, the first SubmitHub money was used to pay somebody to start working two hours a week because um, it was nice to have somebody dedicated from nine to two, uh, whatever happens in our personal life. And that started rolling and the curation part, the blog kept growing. Uh, we started opening our Spotify playlists uh, in 2015, SoundCloud. And at some point we were doing a lot of premieres and some, Spotify was kind of a thing, but just about to peak. Yeah. And a few people started asking, um, why you don't 
put this thing out as a label. Uh, and I was quite, I wasn't very eager about it because I didn't know much and I had a lot of stuff going on. But just like with everything, we were like, okay, let's try this with a few friends who make music. The worst, we're going to epically fail them with a the track, but we're going to be nice with them in some other way, buy them yeah, dinner yeah. or something. And um was also uh, basically a way to test whether we can start another revenue stream. And the goal is to, we already have the brand Stereofox, we already have the block, which is basically has its own audience. Yeah. So I, I thought it's a nice synergy between the two things. And I started reading about what it's like to start a record label. <laughs> Eventually, I found your, your podcast <laughs> and your website as well. And we started the label in 2018. Okay. And we just had th three releases for that year. And I remember my goal was to hit 5,000 streams, which yeah. I thought was going to be difficult Yeah. Uh, on, on, on Spotify because SoundCloud was still very peak right. and you could get like 100k streams there, but there was zero monetization yes. yeah. on SoundCloud. And we, we hit 50,000 streams on the first release and that's, that's wow. when it clicked. I was like, okay, I need to get this a bit more seriously. And we kind of the same process. We grow a little bit, we get somebody else, we train them. And now, four years later, I would say we are 60% label, 30% curator, and 10% podcast. I okay. Guess. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, That's awesome. We have a, we, yeah. Well, and what I love about what you've done is that there's this great quote that says, without an audience, nothing is possible. With an audience, anything is possible. And I feel like what you've done, correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems true for your label in the sense that you started by building an audience of people who who like the same genre or the like the same even the same lifestyle in a way mm -hmm. uh, or the same type of genres, umbrella of genres, um, as opposed to creating a product and then trying to build an audience who who likes that product, you know, instead now you, it, it seems like you had this audience. How do I now just bring them value, bring them more of what we're already bringing to them? Is that true? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, uh, another thing is, uh, as we were kind of in the space for a while, you get to know other curators, um, other blogs and yeah, playlisters. Yeah. So it's, um, I don't want to say it's favor for a favor, favor, yeah, I see. But as as we know each other, and I think, I, and I hope I'm right. Maybe it's not, but I think we've proven that we're in this for for the love of it. Because honestly, having two jobs for ten years is you either gotta love it or <laughs> we're not in this for the money. So it's a bit easier to not only to use our audience, which we already built, but to talk to other people who might support us. And that's what I always say to other curators. Um, I never expect you to support my track just because I send you. Yeah. I appreciate if you listen to it and you're there is no problem if you say it's not for you. Yeah. Because just somebody's time, like that minute of the day, it's so valuable. You 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 cannot even ask for more. Yeah. So sometimes it's it does true. help having the the brand. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's so true. And and so um when okay so you have the curation is still happening right the yeah 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 okay. very much so so how do you decide when an artist submits to you on submit hub or through your website um 
I think you do direct submissions through your website. Is that true, or no? Just through SubmitHub. Just SubmitHub. Okay. For, uh, All right. We we tried, but again, became very messy. Yeah. And we are a very small team. Yeah. So we no, just I have understand. to be careful with. Uh, I understand. With I mean, and going back to SubmitHub, I mean, when I talked to Jason, like he ran a popular blog as well back in the day, and I used to send my tracks to him all the time. And so SubmitHub came out of a solution to his own problem of overwhelm, yeah. like you're talking about. Absolutely. Anyway, yeah. So, um, when you get a submission, and mm-hmm. we have other labels like you uh, on the podcast, we've Gospel Hydration, for example, who has a big YouTube channel and is now doing a label. And I know Lo-Fi Girl is doing the same thing. How do you decide this is a curation project or no, I want I want a deeper relationship with this artist and we want to represent them? Is it the same process that you're just getting these submissions and saying, hold on, I want to work with this artist? Or, or how, how do you differentiate those two? Uh, funny enough, I literally after this podcast, I have a call with an artist who submitted on SubmitHub for review. Okay. And which happened four days ago. Okay. And as man, really, as soon as I heard the track, like this is what um, I'm still so happy, like 10 years do, of doing this. I heard the track and I was so happy and there's very energetic electronic track, um, the guys from UK. And I was like, Okay, I don't know anything about this guy, but that music is amazing. Yeah. And that is already step one. Wow. And as 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 I was writing the feature about him, I obviously had to read his bio. Yeah. I checked his profile. He's uh, upcoming. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, a, it's just a feeling. It's, there is no formula. I, as soon as I wrote the feature, I reached out to him. I was like, hey, my name is Ivo. I'm part of Stereofox. I wrote this feature, blah, blah. I was like, I don't know if you know, but we are label. And he said, uh, actually, I didn't, and um, I did the quick pitch, and we are having a call after this podcast wow. to work on something together. He sent me already two demos, so submit hub, and not only submit hub because we spend a lot of time looking for, on our own, but okay. for fun, it's a great way to. It's like a feeding, like the if you take the this is the the blog and the curation. This is the label. They are so interconnected and so helpful to each other. I I actually cannot imagine they existing separately. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I completely understand that. That is really cool. So you you are so basically, if somebody comes to you through Submit Hub, um, mm-hmm. or you discover something, there's either this feeling of our audience will like this, or there's that feeling of complete shock waves that come over your body, and it's like this is different. This is personal for me. I get, I totally get that. And that's cool that you still feel that after 10 years and probably a million songs. Yeah, man. I, <laughs> I, uh, I hope I jumped the trap, you know, where um, there was a time that I was actually very tired with this thing and uh, yeah. definitely was on the edge of what to do. But yeah. it's this kind of music. It's um, a, those moments. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. Ignition, you know? Yeah. And so, I mean, but you're getting submitted so many songs and you're saying yes to 5% of them for curation. You got to limit yourself on how much you can uh, do for the label, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. The label part is uh, much more difficult, unfortunately. Like, not everything. Like, we are very limited in terms of release slots. Now, the label team is relatively... It's The label team is bigger than the content team although some people have the same like work on the two teams Mm -hmm. Uh, but we are a lot more selective um, on the label for sure but the other thing is on the label we are um, we are more limited in terms of genre so 
if I have to speak with examples, we tend to cover indie pop and maybe disco or like this kind of more, let's say, yeah, breezy genres. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But on the label, we focus on just three genres for oh, the time okay. being. So sometimes would be sometimes there are cases that this artist is amazing and I think they have a lot of potential, but there is no way we can get them on the label just because we don't have the contacts to push that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I know. That I, genre. I, yeah, absolutely. I remember I had this record submitted to me. This artist actually went on to get mm -hmm. signed to a couple of great labels and do really great things. And I absolutely loved it. It was like indie emo, like, you know, indie rock. And it was just not my genre at all. And I loved the album. I kept it and I played it all the time. But I just responded and said, I'm like, I'm the wrong person for this. Like, I wish I was the right person, but like, it just wasn't for me. Um, yeah, can, cannot be everything for everyone. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> what lessons have you learned? I mean, you have this incredible, uh, you play two roles. A lot of us, you know, you've seen behind the curtain on both sides of the industry, the the curator and 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 media and press and promotion, mm -hmm. and then and then being a record label and even in being an artist and a creative. And so, uh, we talked a little bit about Submit Hub and how to use Submit Hub as a record label. But what other things have you learned that has Stereo Fox curation taught Stereo Fox record label? I think. Um the way to approach other curators um the way to handle this the respect the the amount of information you have to send uh in the beginning when we started the record label for me it was difficult to split my brain into but it after a while basically i was like okay if i am a curator and this record label is sending me stuff what would i want to um hear see read yeah and I think that was very valuable to be able to put yourself uh, in the shoes of the other um, person. Also, when we were building our... So the label the label website and the curation... The, so sterofox.com is the main website and we have label.sterofox.com. So for every release, we have a digital EPK, which is like a landing page. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't want to speak for everybody out there, but I personally prefer to have a landing page with information instead of being sent PDF. Okay. So so we, the way we designed our approach is we have these digital EPKs, which is just a URL, Yeah. Uh, which contains the key information, artist photos, uh, streamable link, artwork downloadable, um, a quote from the artist on the release, Okay. short bio, and a short info about the release. We try and a uh, short list of achievements, but everything is, we try to be as short as possible just because uh, uh, long information looks impressive, but this is probably the 15th or 20th or 30th email these people will get, and they will not read your novel. They will yeah. read two sentences. I agree. And yeah. at best. So you're so putting a, a, a link to this EPK in the email. In the email or in the in the DM. What about sending oh in the DM? Okay. What about We use DMs as well. Yeah. Uh, okay, cool. That's But you gotta to be know. careful with yeah, those. Yeah, I, I know. Say. I know. No, that is really cool to know. Um I don't so what about putting all that information in an email? Not a PDF, but to just list it all as an email so that they can open the email and get all that digested right away. 
What's the difference between that and a web page? Uh, the email, at least how we do it, is even shorter version of this. Okay. Like the rule of thumb for me is two sentences. And I, funny enough, I just wrote, just like, okay, I'm very bad at Twitter. I don't think I'm funny enough to, me, to get me these too. viral tweets. Yeah, yeah, I get it. I suck at Twitter, actually. Uh, but <laughs> a few days ago, I was feeling inspired to write one of those tweets, which got like 40 likes, which is the most I've oh, ever wow. gotten. Yeah. But uh, that's where explain like you you write your pitch, you shorten like you shorten by half, you read again, and then whatever you can put in the three bullet points. Yeah. So so your email pitch should look like two sentences, a few bullet points, and a link. That's and a link. It. I completely agree. Yeah. I completely N nothing agree. more than that. Yeah. It, you're absolutely right. And and it's all about respecting those people, right? You know, and, and yeah. respecting their time. And it, it kind of leads me to this other thought too about providing value. Um, we talked about this. We talk about this on the show all the time about our releases and our record labels providing values to music fans. Mm -hmm. But also there's something interesting about does your pitch, does your new release provide value to the curator in the sense that is my new song going to make stereo fox look good like is it going mm -hmm. to improve your playlist is it going you know what i mean and there's a lot of playlists out there uh there's a lot of like um user generated playlists that are very popular and i i can think of one that is like limited to like 20 tracks updated every week very very mm -hmm. custom and um you know that person your song has to make their playlist sound cool and uh, and that's something we don't think about. We always just think about the the blogs doing us a favor or the curators doing us a favor. But it, it's almost you know there's got to be a little bit. To, I mean maybe you disagree, but there's got to be a little bit of this like we've we as as labels have to provide value to these people uh, to make their job easier. Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And uh, I sometimes have a discussion, uh, which is. Uh, First of all, ongoing for a while, and it's becoming more and more valid. And it's uh, basically why do artists need label nowadays? Yeah, which is a super fair question. Um, and one thing that comes back, uh, some okay, I'm gonna take a step back, and it's about if I can give an advice and a lesson that I've learned for doing this. I rather spend 25 minutes to research and work on one contact than spend two minutes per contact and send to 20 people yeah. because once you get that contact and you nurture them they they are probably going to stick around um, now with artists if you're an individual artist and you have at best one release a month which is very optimistic let's say yeah you first of all you're busy making music <laughs> and second of all you send them okay let's do once every three months and you have to be careful what music you send and you have limited chances. With a record label, when you do this, let's say two times a week, you build, you can allow yourself a longer time frame. So we cultivated our, our database, which now has, let's say, 400 contacts over five years period of time. Yeah. But every single contact is actually researching. Honestly, if I open my Excel sheet and you tell me a row, I can tell you who this person is, what's their name, what kind of music they do, how they cover. And if this release would fit them and bring value to their curation or not. Amazing. So I think this is a good uh, value of a record just because they do it more frequently. So you don't have to rush to send to a thousand people. If with every single record release, you find three new contacts yeah. in a year, 
you're already way Absolutely. ahead of the curve. I, I a thousand percent agree. And I got to this point where, um, you know, I remember a lot of people ask me when I'm prepping a release, am I, you know, sending a big blast or what kind of campaigns mm -hmm. am I doing? I get to a point, you know, I, I have a fan base I can, I can rely on, but when it comes to the journalists and the writers and the curators, I've kind of boiled it down to like five to 10 people that mm -hmm. I'm friends with. They're friends with me. So I can just say, hey, how's it going? And it's not a blast. It's like, here's our next release. They support everything I do or they don't. And they're still my friend, you know. Uh, it And it's a nice position to get in. I completely agree. Um, you know, I would even say... Yeah spend two years getting to know a contact and researching a contact. One is better than, you know, uh, if I, I remember back in the day, you remember there would be like um, email lists, like spreadsheets that would float around and they'd have everyone, like there'd be 20 writers at Pitchfork and 20 writers yeah, yeah. at Rolling Stone. <laughs> Half the emails were fake. And like, what are you supposed to like blast a million people? And oh, what a Man, nightmare. If somebody responds to that, I don't know. I yeah, don't know. good luck. It's insane. This this stuff doesn't work. Didn't work before. It's now. It's even less. Yeah. Also, the cur curators are scattered across platforms. Some are on TikTok. Some are Instagram. Some are Spotify. Well, very few have blogs nowadays. Like yeah. I guess the blog, the number of blogs is declining, which is a bit saddening to me. Yeah. But yeah. it is what it is. Um, L let me ask you but, about yeah. these people that you're submitting to, um, mm -hmm. because uh, we, we're taught we're using the term curator a lot, and in my mind, I often think about Spotify playlists because for me, mm. especially in my genre, that's where I can see an instant return on investment. Mm -hmm. Because if it gets put on a playlist with 10,000 or more followers, I can see those streams, and this playlist is getting me 500 a day. I know what that that how much money I'm making. So like yeah, yeah, the math is clear. The math is clear. So straight up, um, when I'm talking about curating, I'm talking about Spotify. But but when we talk about curators and submitting, who are you submitting to? Who's this list of 400 people? Like mm. we said, blogs are kind of disappearing. Traditional media is hard to get into. Um, are you doing anything that that we might find interesting, like influencers or YouTubers? Yeah. So okay. Um, we are trying to do everything in terms of um i'm just not a fan like of of course playlisters is the top one thing yeah and most of the artists are like okay how many playlist ads we got yeah yeah but honestly uh we do try to to submit to everyone including radio stations like that's the thing we 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 would sit down and be like hey maybe there is honestly at the end of the day 40 blocks that are worth in the world right now maybe we're gonna fight for this one contact for three months but once we get them it's there it's locked in um i know it's uh sending to a block and being on a block doesn't necessarily mean you're gonna get a lot of streams doesn't necessarily mean you're gonna get into editorial but at the same time i would like to believe that it's a, a whole picture yeah and it's nice to have something written so honestly, we have radio stations, we have journalists, we have uh, bigger media, which is d definitely harder to get. Of course, like it happens once in a blue moon. We got last year, we got in Clash Magazine, which was a huge deal for us because it's yeah. really up there. That's awesome. And we have, uh, let's say, smaller blocks, but it also depends on the artist. So we have artists who are clearly just 
in for the like no they're not in for the stream story i was they care about the playlists and it's okay they don't want to build a story around them yeah and with those kind of artists and genres maybe we don't do so much blogs but they they are artists who um explicitly say hey I appreciate the streams, but if I see someone writing something nice about the music, that means a lot to me and it gives me fuel. And if that fuels means that this artist is going to go and write another record after that, by all means, you should do that. Um, so it's more, it's also controlled by by the artist. We have, um, wh what I believe we do with the label is customer success, as in, because my background is actually in a tech startup and more like a, traditional like SaaS mm -hmm. where customer support is very important and for me it's always I always talk to the team and I'm like listen however we do the communication there has to be a, the artist if they ask something they need to get a reply in 24-7 mm. we need to we need to know them we need to know what they want and if, if a blog is their thing we should get it we should be able to offer this as a label at the end of the day yeah. it's not us that we dictate the stuff it's more we provide the value at the end of the day because the music is, is theirs. That is incredible. Um, that and so are you are you asking them almost before you start the campaign? Like, what did they consider a win? What did they want? In some cases, we ask. In some cases, it's okay. It's gonna sound very bad, but it's kind of obvious. Yeah. Um, also depends on the genre. You can yeah. see if somebody is more into storytelling. And if there is a story, we try to do blogging. Yeah. Sometimes, man, the, a good song is just a good song. Yeah. And there is not much uh, behind it. And it's also difficult to put on the blog. Yeah. Uh, so That's true. Yeah. No, that's, that, that is really cool because, like, you're absolutely right. I mean, there's some people who just want vinyl and some uh, of their releases. Some people who just want accountability. They just want somebody to help them get their records out there. There's other people that it's like, this is all about playlists. All I care about is my monthly listeners. Anything that pushes that number is important to me. It's good. And of course, it, it is important. And getting on editorial playlist is super important. And we always strive for that. But it's also, as you know, it's not up to us whether or not somebody's going to be on editorial. At the yeah. end of the day, uh, it, it is. But speaking of editorial, there is this notion which is not confirmed, but I think it's kind of out there that the more media coverage you get, the higher chance you get, you have to be an editorial. We yeah. are playing that game. I, I would like to believe that's the case. Yeah. So if we, if we try to get an artist a block with the first single, when we pitch the second single to Spotify, we try to mention that. Yeah. Maybe yeah. it doesn't make a difference, but you got to keep trying. Right. What about... Um I've heard that too, and I and I, I don't know how I feel about it. I agree with you. I like to believe it's true. But um, what about user generated playlists? I mean, I re I remember I had a song uh, about two years ago that was put on a very popular user generated playlist, maybe a hundred thousand followers. I can't remember, and instantly that song was picked up by editorial. And I was like, I bet you they're watching those playlists, aren't they? Like, so that's, I kind of wonder if there are some user-generated playlists that if you get on a bunch of them or even one of them, that that may help. Have you experienced that? Yeah, 100%. Um, I'm, uh, I, I cannot say whether that's true or not. If that specific playlist, it could be. But another reason, if it's not a specific playlist, is I, I imagine the algorithm, which right. is in the background 
is uh, monitoring those, let's say, levels of streams and maybe it's highlighting to some editors. And I think um, if the playlist is good and it generates a lot of streams and the uh, song is actually a good fit for that playlist, because I'll get to that in a second, that sends positive signals to the algorithm and yeah. maybe to the backend uh, or whatever editors are using and say, hey, that track gets a lot of streams and a lot of people add it to their favorites. Maybe you should pay attention to it. Yeah. So 100%. Uh, but I, just to take a step back, because I had this discussion, uh, artists, please don't try to get on playlists where your music is is not a fit. Yeah. Because sometimes <clears throat> a lot of streams for like in front of the wrong audience is really going to mess up your algorithm. I actually have seen this. I've seen artists on a Bob Marley playlist and the guy doesn't have anything to do with reggae. Right. And then, okay, you can generate some streams, but man... It's probably skipped after a while because if I want to listen to my jamming and then this hip hop starts, I'm going to probably skip it. And that's a bad signal. Yeah. So yes, you can take <clears throat> your 40,000 streams and the $200 with them. But down the line, <laughs> that's very bad for the algorithm. Yeah. And if you care as an artist for your future, don't do it. That's so smart. I've heard that said too about YouTubers. You know, if you start a YouTube channel and you get all your friends and family to watch it just to boost up your numbers, it's going to mess everything up because yeah, don't do it. they're not fans of you. <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. I, I stopped. I, we all have done it. I've done it for sure for some <laughs> yeah, stuff. Right. Um, like, uh, what's up, Blast, to all my friends. The Okay, check this track, please, out to your favorites. I yeah, think yeah. that I did this for the first release of Sterefox for sure. Yeah. I basically spent my day uh, personally asking friends to listen to yeah, that. Yeah, I've done that too. Yeah. So, yeah, I've been there, done that, but um, it's not, not a good strategy down the line. There also, things are changing. There was, um, I haven't got a chance to ask Jason about this, uh, but I have noticed in the past maybe two years that SubmitHub was offering the opportunity to submit to Instagram influencers uh, or TikTok. And I mean, I don't know how I feel about that. I'm probably the wrong person to ask just based on my demo, but mm -hmm. I'm wondering how that's going. Has that something you've ever experimented with? I... Um, we tried once or twice, so the system uh, kind of makes sense. Um, it works differently. So you you send your track to the influencer, and if they if, if they say no, you actually get your money back. Oh, okay. If they say yes, obviously you pay them. Yeah. Uh, it's it's a very different rate because uh, as a blog and playlist curator, we get like a dollar, like $3 is the yeah. submission. Yeah. I think with them is a bit more just yeah. because they're expected to make a special video or well, dance it's just one, or that's right. You could put 20, yeah. you could put 100 songs on one playlist. Yeah, okay, I get yeah. that. Um, but we don't do that just because uh, first the music we do, I don't, I, I think if it's going to go viral on TikTok, it's going to go viral on TikTok, not because somebody made a yeah. video for it. Yeah. Um, and it's important to note um because I listened to a podcast with him recently and he explained it because I haven't used it for a while. Mm -hmm. they're, they're targeting actually micro-influencers. Like, you're not going to get somebody that has like a million followers yeah. or five million followers. Okay. But if your goal is to generate 300, let's say your artist comes and they're about to pitch to a venue or something and say, hey, if, I, if my track has 500 videos on TikTok, regardless of how, how many views they have, I guess that's a good way to spend a few hundreds. 
Yeah, but interesting. It's, it's not yeah, for us. It's no, I, I, I've never experimented with it before. I, I'm just kind of intrigued. The only thing mm-hmm. I'm intrigued by, and, and I've, uh, one of the things I don't like about social media is I don't feel like anyone's really committing to anything on social media. You're on, you're on it, you're standing in line at the bank or you're on the toilet and you're just flipping and flipping and flipping. I don't think you're really going to discover something amazing, uh, but I could be wrong. But um, one of the reasons I do think it's interesting is that there are some influencers who have this overall aesthetic to their profile and to their to who they are and if your song matches that just perfectly mm-hmm. um that i don't know that could work you know that you could say that 300,000 followers of this uh, travel blog or this influ- travel influencer who who you know who backpacks through um, North America or Asia oh. that they're going to like this one type of track uh, and all of their followers will as well. So that I do kind of see that being a way to find a targeted audience of a certain aesthetic, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, 100%. I think it should be tried. We don't do it just because we don't have enough people and nobody of the, on the team is into like, it's not a strength. Yeah. I yeah. tried, man. I tried yeah, yeah. being on TikTok. I tried coming up with a video. doesn't work. So you gotta pick your bottles. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's for right. sure it works for some people. I I'm almost never in front of a camera, as well. <laughs> uh, so I, I think oh, I like this, and yeah, like yeah. podcasting is different. But I've been debating: should I be on TikTok and do? And even like I admire people who go on TikTok and be like, so if there's one track you need to listen to today, that's blah blah blah. And yeah. I wanted to try this, but I just I sit in front of the phone and I feel stupid. I I completely so. agree. Yeah, we're the we're the wrong people for this. Um, so tell me a little bit about. I want to ask you about the publishing arm, which I've noticed mm, is new. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I also, and in that same question, I want to ask you about multiple revenue streams. Something you kind of alluded to earlier, and and yeah. just this idea. You know, I was coaching a label yesterday, and we were and. We were. They were asking me like, where can they expect the revenue to come from? And and mm-hmm. I think for anybody with a healthy catalog, uh, streaming and and Bandcamp may make up fifty or sixty, maybe seventy five percent of your sales, mm-hmm. maybe less. But there still is a portion of mystery money that needs to come in from somewhere else. Can you t- tell me a little bit how you have dealt with that and some yeah. of the the revenue streams that you rely on? Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, publishing came up late to the game for us. It's been officially out since a few months, but of course we start preparing uh, last year. Funny enough, we, the decision to move into syncing publishing basically was taken just a little bit before you start your summer series on sync. Oh, nice. Which was perfect timing <laughs> oh, and I really love them. I, I, Scott, I've heard every episode at least three times. Oh, Definitely. wow. That's awesome. Was super, super <laughs> insightful. <laughs> and um, yeah, it's, uh, you know, we learn on the go. Uh, I wish actually going back four or five years ago, I was a bit braver because I thought you need to be, basically, you need to have a legal background, you need to do this and that to start a record label. So I was very slow in the intro. Yeah. Um, but nowadays I'm more like, okay, there is this thing, i sure you can learn it, you start doing it. And uh, yeah, three years ago, I didn't know much about publishing and all the, the monies or royalties which you generated. So if our original contracts on the label were just covering the master site, and then as I told you, we're doing a lot of radio push besides okay. playlisting. And we 
we've had our music on BBC Radio One, KCRW, like pretty like good stations, which I love. Yeah. And then I realized, wait a second, we are doing this work, and there is royalties generated uh, because of public performances, etc. But we're not collecting them. Yeah. So I start digging around. And then this one thing happened a year and a half ago. We got approached for a sync deal and they asked me who controls the publishing rights. And I was like, oh, yeah, it's not us. Yeah. So, of course, we we dealt with this. Um, but then, yeah, this basically was the logical next step. First, to provide more value to the artist, because in this case, we are also incentivized to push and invest more in radio plugging. Mm-hmm. And second of all, uh, we, as I said, we do have a, healthy amount of contacts and I would like to believe the brand is somehow known so my uh, my bet is we're going to use this to get uh, sync opportunities yeah. which is good for the artists and it's good for us um, we also start doing physical uh, when it comes to additional revenue stream yeah definitely yeah, more yeah it, sorry go on no was, tell me more about physical I'm very curious about your vinyl uh, yeah, it was. It's honestly mostly because some artists. So first of all, I am a collector. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we all love physical. It's expensive yeah. to do, but there are a few artists who, going back to what they want, they they shared. I would love to have my my music on a physical product, and it's a hurt, like it's not something that's gonna break the bank. Yeah, but it's surprisingly better than I expected. So my initial goal was if we end up at zero but we have a record and people have this record and the artists have 20 copies and we, let's say, do 20 as a present and we sell 60, that is already a win. Yeah. Um, so I, w- I don't count it yet as a, fi- like as a standalone physical uh, uh, additional revenue, but at least it's, a, it's not at a loss. And it, I think it brings a lot to the picture. I completely uh, agree. I just want to highlight that for people listening, that... For some people, vinyl is a revenue stream because it is a high ticket item. And I think when you're over that 300 quantity number and you're selling those, it is a high ticket, it is a, a yes. good revenue stream. But 100 or 200 and below, it is a promotional tool. It and is a promotional tool, yeah. It's a loss leader. It feels good for everyone. It makes you look good. It's tons of Instagram content, flashes it everywhere. It's, a win. it's sexy, but yeah. It, 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 it is a win. Yeah. At the end of the day, it's worth it's worth the two thousand um, dollars because you'll hopefully get that back at the end of, eventually. Um, yeah, but it's it is, but you'll only break even. Um, yeah, but it's still fun to have. And gifts is is a good example. Yeah, are, are you have you used crates for your pressings? Or no, how are you? no, I haven't. No, okay. I just I okay, use okay. like traditional plants. But okay. I have heard of them. Mm-hmm. Is yeah, that, we, we it, it, that is a let's say um, stress-free way to start or right. to dip, dip your toes. Because that's toes, pr- pre-sales, right? You don't start manufacturing until you've pre-sold. Yeah, exactly. Okay. okay. So if so, you if you're lucky, and if you again don't want to make a buck, you can have your uh, sale price relatively low, and if you can manage to get hundred pledges, you get yourself a vinyl. And if you don't get 100 pledges, what do you do? Do you refund it, cancel it? Automatically refund it back to the oh, people. Okay. Like uh, no no upfront cost or risk uh, on your end. Interesting. We've been pr- like, we have been pretty happy with uh, with these guys. That's cool. I'll you have can, to I'll You can have to also pay upfront. I okay. guess uh, my, my main uh, 
stress source when it comes to to pressing especially was shipping which is still uh, tough for me yeah so it's quite nice that they handle your shipping oh so for a small mid label and if you don't have time to Although I gotta admit, I when I ship the records, I try to write a personal note. Yeah, and thank yeah. you, and like, yeah. it's so rewarding. But uh, it's nice to be able to log in a platform, put the address of whoever ordered, and then ship it for you. Oh, that um, is cool. So yeah, again, early projects. If you don't risk too much, that's a way to go. But as you said, cool content for Instagram. Yeah, it's rewarding emotionally, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, why why yeah. 10 inch? I noticed you do a lot of 10 inch vinyl. Uh, yeah, because we the projects <laughs> we had just didn't fit like was there too small for 12. Oh, okay. So we yeah, but uh, the last four are 12 inches and okay. actually we have uh two doubles. Oh um, wow. Yes, I did. Yeah. I saw that one release. Um is it the the uh Belgium um Bulgarian Beatwave is one of them. Beatwave. Yes, I was and listening to that one this is, morning. It's beautiful. Beautiful. Oh, thank you, man. Yeah, and the other one it. is with the uh, Elijah Nang uh, Gaijin three thousand. That is also a double, uh, yeah, splatter color. Very beautiful. Yeah, like if if one day we are not in business and I'm old, I'm just gonna look at them. It's gonna I, be a great memory. I because completely those, agree. Man, the the ten thousand streams from yesterday is gonna be a story in yeah. in two years, and you wouldn't remember. But no, that thing uh, exactly a hundred percent. I completely agree with that, and I even have. I mean, I view mu I view music as an artifact. I mean, I have tapes from my childhood. I have CDs from when I was a teenager. I have records that I've made. I have tapes that are labels on our podcast have made and have sent me as gifts. They're all, yeah, they're artifacts. They're these intimate connections. And I don't have that with, with even my Bandcamp collection. I don't have that with iTunes or Spotify. I agree with you. Yeah, I, I think it's... I've been thinking a lot about it and also with the NFT stuff. It, it's hard to replace this, man. Yeah. It's uh, it's just... It, but of course, that is maybe you and me. I don't know. Maybe not everybody feels this way. But that, that's the thing. I Maybe you're going to agree with me. Uh, when you're a label, you got to try to cater to a few people. Like maybe you have a hundred dedicated fans and you do vinyl campaign for them. Yeah. I, yeah, absolutely. And then the rest can just, can stream as much as they want. It's great. Like you, I, I was talking about this with a label recently about um, there are people who will buy the digital album off a of Bandcamp and they'll give five or ten dollars for the MP3s. And it's so foreign to me because I have Apple Music and I have Spotify. Mm -hmm. So if I want to listen digitally on my phone or <clears throat> on a Bluetooth, I have Spotify, Apple Music for that. And then if I really, really love an album, I want to own it on tape or vinyl. And the, the MP3 is kind of, to me, is like <laughs> from the early 2000s. But yet, on every release, 30% of people will buy the MP3. And God bless them, because like they're, that's, their, that's the way they like to do music. And yeah. I don't ever want to take that away from anyone, however you want. And some people just want to listen to my songs on a Spotify playlist and not even know my name. That's okay. That's you. <laughs> it happens, yeah. I guess, uh, uh, I mean, I don't want to generalize, but at, at least I, that's how I feel um, where we are right now as a, as a label, especially, we cannot afford to ignore potential fans just because maybe, like, let's say, MP3, like MP3 is not for me, but that doesn't mean it's not for somebody. Yeah. And I cannot be like, well, well, 
you know, whatever, guys, I don't care. Yeah. Uh, you you got to cater as much as you can, of course, because the day is 24 hours and there is yeah. a yeah, limited right. amount of things yeah. you can do. Speaking um, of which, my last question for you is what is mm -hmm. the, what's the future? Like where, what's next for you guys or, or what are you working on now? And, and I'm kind of curious about how you divide your time now that you have this publishing and you have curation still happening in, in your labels. So what does that look like for you uh, this yeah. year? Uh, this year is going to be interesting one because a few of us who are, uh, so the team we are slowly building and some of the core members who I mentioned at the beginning are now quitting their full-time jobs to ded dedicate all their time on Star wow, Fox. Wow, congrats. So uh, we are excited to be able to spend, uh, of course it's a risk uh, thing we're going to be doing, uh, but it's going to be a year we give it 100%. Yeah. And uh, I think this year is the year we have to basically solidify the team because without the team, there is we are, we are, we are nothing. And uh, how we split the time is the curation team is focusing on uh, I wanna. We are trying to get more long uh, format con, um, editorial articles. Okay. So we did a few articles on how to write a bed, a good Spotify pitch, mm. where we actually put our own pitches. Like so, it's very public and transparent. People yeah. can go and read them. Yeah. Um, That's cool. And, and that kind of content, even though blogs are dead in quotation marks for those you listen to, we actually get tons of readers. So clearly people are looking for that. And so that's going to be a priority, basically give, share content which is useful for, for, for artists and for like music nerds, let's say. Yeah. And the, the publishing team is very small. Right now it's one person who is handling administration and a proactive approach to sync uh, supervi music supervisors. So that is a big thing for us. I think there is a lot to learn and I hope my goal for this year to turn back and have at least one big sync deal. Oh, that's um, great. Yeah. Yeah. That's a modest goal. It's a good goal to have. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, we, we keep trying. Uh, <clears throat> yeah. It's every day. It's man waking up and being excited to get on the laptop. <laughs> uh, I know. Yeah. That is a win already. Uh, I, I had that exact same thought just last week. I came into my desk. I actually needed to... Um, before I was working on the podcast, I needed to record some drum machines for another project I was working on. And I came into my office, I put the coffee down, my eyes were barely open. It was like eight o'clock in the morning. And it's thought, how incredible is this that I get to come in here and record a drum machine first thing in the morning? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> it's just kind of fun. Um, it, it is, it is a blessing. Thank you so much for doing this. Congrats on everything with Stereo Fox. You're going to get so many submissions now after this episode. Everyone's going to be like, oh, what a nice guy. I'm going to send him my tracks. <laughs> Thank you for inviting me, man. It's honestly a huge honor. Um, when you. I reached out to introduce what we do, we really, it's so humbling and uh, just made, made my day when you, when you answered. So I'm very, uh, your, your podcast means a lot and has helped uh, me and the whole team a lot. So also, oh, I just want to thank you for uh, everything you do. Oh, well, that's great. And, uh, um, super cool being here. No, oh, that's awesome. I, um, I was happy to respond because I, I still had a bone to pick with you that you rejected those two songs. <laughs> we can, now, now we have our email uh, communication. So we'll see. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, thanks so much. This has been awesome. Thank you. Thanks for listening. I hope that you got uh, some wisdom out of this. I hope you pulled some some advice, especially when it comes to promoting and marketing your releases, which is an area that all of us 
are trying to improve at and struggle with. I know for me, it's it's a real challenging uh, task. And so I hope today's interview with StereoFox has been helpful. Go to StereoFox.com. That's just as it sounds, StereoFox.com to check them out. Follow along with one of their playlists and check out their artists, grab a vinyl. And go to our website, otherrecordlabels.com, where you can download our free toolkit. If you want to start your own record label, you can get that at otherrecordlabels.com slash toolkit. Thanks for listening.